Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the Small Seed Big Impact Podcast. We hope these episodes plant seeds that inspire big impacts in your life. Shane and I are your hosts. Don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media and let us know what you thought of this week's episode. All right, y'all, enjoy. So today I have an extra special guest on, Mariela de la Mora. Did I say your name right? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Mariela. <laughs> I've known you for five years, which is so insane. So we first met at Nectar, which you guys have definitely heard me talk about before. It was a startup I worked at. Mariela was a co-founder of it. I interned in college there, and you were the head of marketing. So we worked super closely together. Um, and definitely over that time, you became a mentor to me, and I loved watching like how your brain worked and how you could just like make magic out of pennies because we had no money then, and we were just like hardcore guerrilla marketing, and it was like definitely watching you was one of the things that really gave me the confidence to be able to go out and not like worry about the money because I think a lot of people overthink that part of it. But over the years, we've been able to stay in touch over social media, but I feel like this last year, I've just been like super inspired by everything you're doing. I can like relate on so many levels with the self-development, like your business growth hacking. And I love right now, especially what you're doing with like teaching people how to build out their personal brand. I think it's super important and you're really touching on like the genuineness of putting yourself across social media. So that's really cool. I wanted to say like you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a growth mother by day and mama and by night, also those things. Yes. <laughs> Head of marketing for Off to Work. You're hosting the Bravely Ambitious podcast, which that launches. It should be by end of January. So I'm really excited about that. The new, another new, 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 new venture. So definitely have to check that out. I'll hook it up in the show notes when we post this because it'll probably be then. And then you just have your online coaching business right now where you're helping entrepreneurs put their best face forward and how best to serve their community. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's like crazy because as I hear you kind of like recount all of that, like first I, like a little part of me got emotional because of some of the things you were saying. Cause I was like, I just never heard you say those things before <laughs> just in terms of like, yes, you know, like nectar to me. And I don't know, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way that I kind of feel like it birthed this different side of us in terms of like knowing that we were capable of figuring things out, even if we had felt like we had no idea what we were doing. And you said making magic out of pennies. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. That's exactly what that was. <laughs> and just learning and teaching ourselves stuff. So I just feel like it's kind of like when you go through that with somebody where you're like in the trenches, there's this bond. So like, I was just like, Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. And honestly, that's like a point in time where like, I have like burned in my memory as far as like my startup journey and like my entrepreneurial journey. And I feel like that was like, you know, when you came on, it was like, that was when we really started doing like all of like the deep dive guerrilla marketing. And it's just like, yeah. I obviously don't have a small seed. So like knowing and seeing that like something can come to life from mm -hmm. not having that money. It's like, that definitely gave me the confidence to be able to continue on my own journey. I'm excited to hear that. Like, I feel like that was definitely a time where you either, either you go into like a really, really early stage company and you go, oh my God, I don't want anything to do with this. This is terrible. Like, I just want to go in and do my job and like get paid. Or you're like, oh, okay, what else can we do? And even if this doesn't work out, you know, what else can I build? And so it either like sparks that in you or it, or it tells you, you definitely don't want that. And neither is right or wrong, but I feel like there's no quicker way to find out what you are interested in and whether you kind of have like that entrepreneur, I don't know what to call it, like gene, because I'm kind of like, you kind of have to be a little insane and like off to kind of like to choose this path because it's really hard, but it's also the most rewarding. So it's, it was definitely that for us, I think. Yeah, I think that it's definitely not for everyone, but I love doing it in college because I feel like it really showed me like, oh my God, this is like the world I want to be in. Even if I hadn't like started my own company, I was like, I just want to work with startups. Like this is so much fun. You learn so much. And like what you were saying, like the bond of like going through like those like early stages of business, like you just don't like, it's not just like a boss. It's not just like your boss or like whatever. It's like you're like 
it feels like a friend, like a community. Yes. Like a community. You're like, this is like our nectar family. Like you it want is. to together and be like. No. Yeah. I mean, because we were like having, I mean, and what's funny, like right before we hopped on this podcast, I thought about this and I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So five years, um, you know, we've both had daughters since, since then. We've both kind of navigated between like corporate and like starting businesses, but we've actually never met in person. And I think that like I most of the time never, ever think that because the connection is like so strong. Right. And I feel like we've gone through so much together that you realize that like that transcends like where we've lived, jobs we've had, everything, because you, you have that like foundation to look back on and say, I'm a different person because, or we're different people because we went through that together. So yeah, it's, it's really crazy. Um, and to just kind it's of see so like funny. how long you come to. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, I was thinking that too, before I hopped on, I was like, have we, like, I feel like we have met, but like, I know we haven't, but I'm like, wait, have no. we met? And it's because I used to live in San Diego and then I moved away and joined Nectar like when I was moving to London. And then I've been back in San Diego since, but then you moved. So this is life and this is part of what you can do. I mean, this is part of the payoff, I would guess, of like entrepreneurship is that you can, you know, you can move most of the time if you have like an online business, you can live anywhere um, and you develop kind of like this world network of people that have been part of your journey and that you work with. So yeah, like I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm really glad that I, you know, we went through it at the time that we did because I would not have made the same decisions had I not been through that. Oh, I know. It was <laughs> such a good, it was really, really was such a good experience. Like I try to tell everyone who's in college and even like when my brother was in college, I'm like, get us, get an internship with a startup. Like it's literally the best thing you'll do for your life. Like, especially oh if they're in business or like, like any of like the business, like offspring, I'm like, it's like, you yeah. just will never, you'll never be put in that type of situation again, unless like you start your own business where you have that much like influence and power and like people are listening to your suggestions mm-hmm. and letting you try things. It's not just yes. like, okay, like this is your one job. I feel like if you have an internship at like a corporate office already has like, you know, your outline set up, it's like, this is all, this is what you do. This is all you do. And like, exactly. we're not going to ask you for anything because like, we already know what we're doing. So. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get too crazy. Yeah. This actually makes me think about like ever since from Nectar, I've actually hired like several college students for um, within my role at Off to Work because I was first marketing hire and kind of decided, okay, what roles do we need? How do we build the team out? And um, one thing that I would say is like if somebody were is starting out their career or even if they're looking to kind of change um, directions, like the best experience you can ever get is in an early stage company because it, it, teaches you how to think without a framework, without knowing what's in the future, without you having ever done anything. And what I found is like, when I hired people in college, they were already kind of thinking, and we've actually talked about this because I came to you for advice recently um, because I'm helping a client to make her first hire. And I recommended um, working with somebody in college as opposed to a freelancer. And I said, this is why, because it's been this experience where you have this person who is hungry and wants to learn and wants to contribute to something. And, you know, the prospect of like going into an internship in an office is not as attractive to someone like that because they want to learn as quickly as possible so that they can come out of that in a way kind of getting thrown into the fire, coming out of that saying, oh my gosh, I have real experience. And yeah, like I feel like that is definitely an audience. And like, if I could do more of that to help provide like opportunities for college students to kind of get matched up with like companies that I feel like that would create so many opportunities for both sides. Like, I wish that I had done that, to be honest, early in my career, instead of jumping straight into corporate, because I didn't really learn how to think for myself until way later. Yeah, I wish that they pushed it more in college, because they definitely don't, like, push it as much. I feel like they're like, okay, these are, like, the companies that are set, and these are, like, the interns that, the internships that need to be filled, and oftentimes, like, you know, someone says like, this is the company I work for and you know it, but I think it's so cool when someone's like, this is the company, there's only five employees, like, yes. and I'm one of those five employees. Yes. And your role can be whatever, you know, is needed or whatever you want it to be in a lot of cases. And sometimes like when I'm interviewing people for my team and it's maybe their second job or something, they're almost every time I ask them why they're leaving and they say it's because their role is so limited. They really, really want to get their hand into more things, but they're told we don't really need you for that. We have somebody else to do that. And the the prospect of them being on a team of five is super exciting because they're just like, oh my God, I get to learn from you guys. And I get to like have an opinion and try different things is 
you know, I cannot like overstate the importance of that. I think especially early on to teach yourself how to think is much more important than knowledge because you can have knowledge and it's outdated tomorrow. Whereas if you teach yourself how to think, it doesn't matter if how much technology changes, because that's one thing that we can say for sure is that the world won't be the same in a year. It changes so quickly with with technology and social media that like if you can teach yourself how to adapt and how to think, it'll be a much better asset than like studying something somebody else already discovered and trying to remember it because that's not going to serve you in the long run. Yeah, social media is definitely like one that's and technology like overall is one that's changing literally every day, changing every day, which is I love like watching all of your stuff and like reading your posts because I feel like you're just so like in the trenches of it. Like you're so in tune with like this is what's going on. And this is like I tell Shane, I'm like, I always joke because I'll like go to your page and be like, oh no, Instagram's taking away likes. <laughs> like and then I'll like go <laughs> like our like reposting and stuff like that. I literally feel like I find out a lot of information like via your page because I just feel like and I mean obviously that's like a a major part of what you do with your personal business but then Mm -hmm. I'm sure like with off to work that that's like something that's like super can you talk a little bit more about like that because being a first hire for now a company that's like really big yeah I mean what was that like like you know what was the process of all that and then has that is that what kind of sparked or led you into like this now personal business and this adventure that you're on right now? Yeah, definitely. It was a blend. So one thing worth noting is that like I started off to work um, three months after I joined Nectar. So I basically did both at the same time. Um, So that's the reason why for almost two years I was working like 17 hours, no lie, 17 hour days for like almost two years. Um, and so what happened when I first moved to London is that like, I was offered this job that had this very fancy title that really wasn't appropriate for what they really needed me to do. So I changed my title and I was like, right. So you guys are kind of figuring it out in terms of marketing, but you really need somebody to like, look at the whole big picture. So basically what I did was I came into this company that was doing well, but kind of like doing well without strategy. And so I went in and was like, does this brand appeal to the 18 to 21 year old that you're recruiting? Is this, you know, would I want to work there? Do these systems work? Does this brand work? So basically layer by layer, I built what I could myself, which was super valuable to be a Nectar at the time because I was teaching myself things in Nectar. And then I was able to apply it at Off to Work where I actually had some money to spend and wasn't a ton, (laughs) but I had some money to spend. And so things like teaching myself how to build landing pages or project management software or use of Canva, um, all of those things I discovered through Nectar. And so I felt like I had this parallel, these two parallel worlds where one was my test and learn access to entrepreneurs, access to you guys to brainstorm. And then in this other world, I was the solo person applying stuff. So over the years, basically, I learned how to recruit, how to figure out what's the next role that you need. Um, basically, how should I spend my time versus what should I hire out for? Then once I started hiring, it's like, how do I motivate them? Is she really interested in this? Where does her career you know, go? Where do I now step back and say, hey, you've, you've got this. You actually know more than me. Go ahead and run with it. So over the last almost five years now, like four and a half years in, in that role, what I've essentially been able to build is not only like a brand and systems and all of that in a team, but I've been able to kind of first figure out what it takes to be a good leader and then how to bring up other leaders so that I can take a step back. Because for a really long time I was in, I had my hand in everything. And this year I decided that like, because I know that this can't be a long-term thing, I, it's been way longer than I thought, but ever since I moved back, you know, to America and I've had my daughter, I was like, how can I kind of exit this and make sure that they're still good? And so I pivoted kind of from like directly leading to hiring other leaders that I could now kind of take a step back and start to focus on, you know, what does my business look like? So that's sort of where I am um, in that. And basically the the best thing that came out of that was learning how to grow a team, how to recruit, how to motivate, how to, you know, be a leader, um, which is now going to serve me in coaching because coaching is essentially mentorship. It's, it, it is leadership. You are taking what you know and say, how does this person need me to package it up for them? What do they specifically struggle with and how can I change this so that it works for them and what challenges they have? So everything about all of my experience, I feel like I can pour into coaching now. What do you think, how, like, what makes someone a good leader? What have you learned over time that, like, gets people to rally around you? 
that's a it's funny like my sister asked me this recently for like a paper suit where she was writing or something and I was like gosh I don't know that I ever really like thought about answering it like that you kind of like know it when you feel it but I think the first thing that came to mind is that leaders bring up other leaders they don't lead they don't bring up other people to follow instructions like that's part of it is getting the job done but that means you your effect is going to be pretty short-sighted so I feel like leaders are someone who can intrinsically understand like what motivates you what is it that you want what you're good at um and then bring out more of that so that you then want to lead and take ownership over what it is that you're doing not just because i'm asking you to do it um and i think the second thing would probably be somebody who can take a bigger picture of something and figure out like how do we break this down into things we can actually do and, you know, who would be like best suited and then kind of figuring out how to get everybody to like rally around that. Um, because you can have a big picture vision of something, but then not necessarily like know how to bring it to life, you know. And I'd say probably the third thing is being super, super self-aware of what your strengths and weaknesses are, like where you need to grow, because nothing will bring out where you need to heal, where you need to like address stuff in yourself than leadership. It is kind of like parenting because it'll just be magnified. But I feel like I I definitely became a better leader like the more that I worked on myself. Because I'd say at the beginning, I was much more codependent where I felt like I was personally responsible for every single person's outcome. And the reality is, is that I was responsible for giving them all of the tools and motivating them. But then if they decided not to do it, that was not me to, to step in and go, oh, well, I'll just fix it for you. It's okay. It's fine. Like I had to get real comfortable with conflict and having uncomfortable mm -hmm. conversations, which I wasn't at the beginning, but that came with growth. So you can't, you, you will be the be more you focus on your self-development, the better of a leader you'll be, I would say is like the third thing. Do you think that people are like, I think that that's something that people need to understand more is that you should be outsourcing your weaknesses instead of oh, like yes. focusing on like, I need to I need to like zone in on my weakness. I need to be the best at everything. Cause I feel like we're kind of in a world where it's like, if you're not good at something, like you better get good at it. Like you just keep working at it. Yeah. And then it's like, as we try to like, if I'm not good at math or like my finance side and I'm trying to work on my finance side, well, my good side, which is like my creative side starts falling down because I'm like over here trying to figure out my finances when all I have to do is like, mm -hmm. you know, hire a or something like that. It's yeah. Like, how do you, do you think like that's like important as far as like a leadership role is to actually be yeah. able to recognize like this is something I don't need to be good at because mm -hmm. someone else is already good. Yeah, definitely. I think that that definitely that falls in line with the self awareness part is like what your weaknesses are and weaknesses are not a bad thing. Literally every single person, it doesn't matter how successful they are or not. Like everybody has weaknesses in terms of like something that doesn't come as naturally to you. And so being aware of like what your weaknesses are, either because you're not good at them or you don't like doing them is important because then you'll stop trying to t spend 10 times the amount of effort to do that 10% of work rather than like the stuff that comes easily to you and the things where only you can do it for your business. So I would say like, let's say you as a coach, I couldn't outsource my coaching. I couldn't outsource the person who actually has the conversations. I also probably couldn't outsource things like, you know, nurturing people as I'm having like messages with them because that's my voice. But I could nurture things like, okay, you know, um, writing this, you know, writing this blog or like doing research or scheduling out my emails and my social media or something like that. Cause that's like, that's something that you can explain to somebody else. So I feel like, um, I actually just wrote a post about this last night because I was like, how do I make this tangible for people? So there's, um, an entrepreneur named Chris Harder who has a podcast called for the love of money. He was a speaker at, um, an event called pace to be brave that I was at a couple of months ago in San Diego. And, um, he, recently was kind of talking about you need to know what your hourly worth is and how do you calculate your hourly worth and he's like if you have a business you have income goals for that year and even if you're kind of stretching it and you're like okay this seems a little high you're never going to get there if you don't like hit that stretch goal so you take that number of what you want to make next year then you take how many hours you're going to work that year so that's 
how many hours a week do you want to work? How many weeks a, a year do you want to work? So let's say you want to give yourself four weeks off. Then you're timesing 48 times, you know, 40 hours a week. And then you take your goal and you divide it by that number. That's how much your time is worth when it's focused on actually bringing in business and the stuff that only you can do. So let's say like your hourly is like $80. Then that means if it takes you three hours to like code something on your website because you suck at it and that's totally fine and you could pay somebody $80 to do it in an hour then it's worth it because it would have taken you $240 worth of your value to pay somebody $80 to do it in a third of the amount of time whatever like I literally just did math right now but I'm just saying (laughs) all the people can do it faster and better than you so pay them to do it you know and in really I would say the other thing too is like outsource the stuff that's actually going to free you up. So like, you don't, you don't do it and then, you know, not focus on the stuff that's going to bring in money. So I think it's all of that, knowing the value of your time, knowing what your weaknesses are. I love that. Like figuring out how much your time is worth. Cause I often do think sometimes like as an entrepreneur, you're like, well, you just kind of like bombard all your time. And you're like, I mean, I know me, like I'm like really bad at like Shane always tells me, he's like, you need to set hours of like customer service. Like don't be on Instagram all the time responding to people at 12, like, you know, midnight and then wake up at 6am and you're like on there again, responding to emails and stuff because people are going to start expecting things of you. And it's like, you actually need your own time to be able to be like, okay, like I'm, you know, setting time for this, setting time for that. Like this is my time with Opal. This is my time to work out. Okay. Now it's work time. Like let me actually focus and center in on it. And I think like, Sometimes I do think like with like smartphones and things like that, we mm-hmm. need to set up those boundaries for ourselves because it's just going to keep coming in at us. Like, you know, you're going to see yeah. that you have it on your Instagram or whatever it is you're yeah. going to see. We need to be able to set those boundaries to say like, my time is worth X. I want to be able to give all of my energy towards this when I'm actually yes. sitting down, not half looking at Opal, half trying to respond oh, no. to someone being fully it's present. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So I love that. That's like, I'm gonna have to look up. I'm gonna have to look up that guy. I'm actually um, gonna make a post about it like this. I think it's it's on my thing. So I'm gonna take the the math. <laughs> and then I was gonna put something in there, which I totally, um, I'm sure you can relate, even though this is gonna be a little weird when I actually put the hours out there. But one thing that I did as a mom was I figured out how much of my how many of my waking hours are dedicated to active parenting. Right. So I was like, out of the hours that I'm awake and she's awake, like how how often is she with me where I can't do anything else? And it was 52 and a half hours a week. So that is more than a full-time job. So the reason that I say this is because if I know how I'm spending my time, then I'm like, okay, so you've got more than a full-time job. That would literally be like somebody else saying, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna create success, but you gotta spend 52 and a half hours a week not doing the thing that's building your business. So you can't afford to just like wish wash around and just be like, oh, it'll somehow get done. So another thing too, is I feel like every day and I don't do this all the time. Right. But I know that I should. It's like, you know, what is like the top thing or one, two, two things that are going to be the most important for your business that are going to create the most opportunity for you? Because if you don't know that one to two things, you might do the seven things that don't matter as much, but still not the do the top thing that is. And that's so easy because usually that thing is the part that you're like, oh my God, I have shiny ball syndrome and you just end up not doing it. But if you know it and you ignore it, it's kind of easier to be like, okay, I, I really need to get on it like tonight. And when I go on, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to look at Instagram. I'm going to finish the one thing. Yeah. Usually it's like the one thing that kind of like gets you a little like excuse me, like, <laughs> like oh I don't know like second yep. guessing yourself but yeah I know that's like one of my things of like for my I don't even like to say like goals of 2020 because I should just start it right now but like one of my goals of 2020 is like when those like feelings arise like attack that right away because usually I'm totally one I hate to say this mm-hmm. too because I'm totally one of those people who will like usually push it off for a week or maybe sometimes two weeks and I'm like I know that if yeah. I had just done when I first like you know, got that person's contact information or whatever it is. It's like, if I just called them that first week, I could already have the meeting set by week two. But now I'm over here on week two. Yeah, it's like, it could have taken you like 15 minutes, but you postponed it for like three weeks. So exactly. then it weighs on you and you're just like, oh, my to-do list is so long. But really, it's because you've been busying yourself with the stuff that isn't as important because it's just more in your comfort zone to do it. Which is another thing to consider too, when you're thinking about like, outsourcing because maybe if you're constantly like 
not meeting promises to yourself, but it's something that you could explain to someone. It's like, hey, could you set up a meeting with this person, this person? Um, and can you also follow up with blah, blah, blah? That might be easier to do. And it's like really easy to explain. So I think sometimes that also tells us like if we were to get like a part-time assistant or whatever in, in four hours, she could maybe do it and totally clear up your schedule. <laughs> so rather than three weeks long of like exactly. expressing yourself up. I okay. I want to pivot it because, well, I want to talk about you. So tell me about like your background. Cause you've done like a lot of <laughs> things that are not like right now you're in like growth strategy you know, business marketing, Yeah, but you've done a lot of other things in your past that like, that has pivoted you to this point. So can you just touch on what you've done and then, and then how you knew at that point in time that it was time to, you know, move into a new area of life or a new area of business or whatever your profession was. Yeah. Like one of the things I've started to give myself this title of like being the queen of pivoting because I have had so many jobs and I think like different types of jobs all within the realm of marketing, but really different. And, um, I'm passionate about, speaking to women and I'd say specifically women, because I think that we tend to make a lot of decisions for other people. Um, and so I, one thing that I'll say before I kind of talk about the pivots is that you, it's never too late to kind of change directions. It doesn't mean that you have to throw everything out and start all over. There's a way that you can look at, you know, what's the best stuff that I've worked on, the things that I love the most, um, but that you're not obligated to be who you were yesterday. So I think that that took me a few years to kind of say, just because I've done something for a really long time and I've invested in it doesn't mean that I need to keep doing it. So the first nine years of my career, I was in insurance marketing. And literally it was because it was the first job that I got out of college. And I was successful at it in the sense that I remember telling myself like, this was like an assignment in college. I remember that's the only reason why I wrote this out. And they said, write a list of 10 things that you're going to do by the time you're 30. And I had all the stuff like have a baby, get married, buy a house, um, make six figures in marketing was one of them. Right. And I did all those things except have a baby. Um, and so I literally on my 30th birthday, it was September of that year. I got a promotion and the promotion nudged me just over six figures, including my bonus. And I remember saying, oh my God, this is, I've gotten all the things like that I said that I wanted. And I remember thinking like, but I'm not really happy and I don't want my boss's job. So when you don't want your boss's job in corporate, you're kind of like, okay, well, I either need to quit, but then I can only really go to insurance. So basically what I decided that year was we were having a restructure. I was going to get put into another job. And I remember um, telling like a friend of mine, you know, I feel like I want to quit my job and travel. But like, I feel like that's ridiculous because that's not a plan, you know? And I don't know how I would explain this to people because I was like 31 years old. So it's like, how do you tell people or 32? Um, And he's like, okay, would you ever look back and, you know, let's say it totally went to shit. Like, would you regret it? Um, And I was like, no, because at least now I know. And he's like, okay, what if you stayed? Would you ever look back and wonder? And I was like, absolutely. He's like, okay, well then that's your answer. So I left insurance marketing. I um, fell into a role as an underground hip hop journalist in London, (laughs) total opposite. And that was just through friends of friends in San Diego who were in the music scenes um, and had connections in London. And they wanted like a videographer, someone to kind of do social media. And that allowed me to travel around for like a little bit, um, which was like a huge pivot um, to knowing that I don't want to work for corporate. And so sometimes when you're pivoting, like you just need to know what you don't want, even if you don't know what you want. So I knew that I never wanted to go back to like a super overly corporate stuffy environment. And, um, through that is how I ended up meeting my daughter's father, moving to London, ending up at off to work. Um, and then my connection in San Diego is how I came across what Sonia was doing and why I was like, I need to be part of that. So literally if I had never moved from San Francisco to San Diego, if I'd never quit my job to travel, I wouldn't have done either of those things. So you just have to follow the first step that you feel called to do. And then the other ones will reveal themselves. So that's my, my best advice is like, just take the first step. If you're not sure that you're like on the right path and you can get exposure to like so many things you never would have, you never could have planned for yourself. How do you overcome those fears? Cause I feel like a lot of people can really like bog themselves down and be like, I like can't quit my job because then I'm gonna, I, like, I don't know if I'm going to get another job. Like what if I quit and then I can't get hired back here or like, I tr- like, you know what I mean? Like how yeah. do you, 
how do you tell yourself like, this is the right move no matter what happens? Yeah. I think sometimes like for me, it actually helped to think about my worst case scenario and the likelihood that it was going to happen. So when you think like, look, my worst case scenario is like, it doesn't work. And then I have to go back and get a job. And it's like, okay, well, if you did that, then basically it would just be like, you'd kind of be back where you are right now, which isn't even really that bad, but you'd come back to it with knowledge. So I think like plan for your worst case scenario and then say, realistically, how likely is this worst case scenario to happen? Or are you totally feeding this fear? Um, And then I think like the next one is find a way for you to get experience. So like to dip your toe in it somehow, even if you're not sure. So if you're considering like starting a business, could you talk to like a friend of yours that has a business that's early stage and say, can I help you with it? I won't even ask. I just want to know what it's like because you might start doing that and just say, oh my God, like I know that I, my business would be different, but I see the reality of it. And like, I'm not interested or, oh my gosh, I love this so much. I wouldn't care, you know, what it took. I know that I could bring my idea to life. So I think however you can get exposure to that Um, either through doing the work yourself or surrounding yourself with people who are doing the thing that you want to do will give you um, more clarity. And then it gives you action too, because you won't get clarity without some sort of action. Mm -hmm. How do we craft like our passions into business? That is a good question. Um, (laughs) That's part of why I'm going into coaching now um, too, is that I look at kind of, even if somebody has been coaching for a while, I kind of look at like, where have you gotten results for yourself or others? Where are you the go-to person? So let's say everybody always comes to you because they're like, okay, maybe you work in an office or something, but you um, know a lot about makeup and you know how to make it look natural. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to look like I'm caked in makeup. Like everybody always comes to you for that thing. And you're just like, if I wasn't, then the other question is like, okay, if I wasn't getting paid, would I really love talking about this and doing this every day? And then once you start saying, what do people come to me for? What am I really good at naturally? What would I do every day? Even if I wasn't getting paid, what could I like rant on about or riff on about? If there's a common thread there, then that's something to look at because that means you have it's like a crossover between, you know, something you're good at and something you're passionate about and something that people would pay you for. Cause if people are coming to you about it, most likely there's like a demand. And so really like answering those questions, seeing where the crossover is, and then seeing like, how could I take what I know and package it up? Do I start by making videos? Do I start by writing blogs? Do I start by creating a separate account where I share my knowledge? And then that sort of like opens it up to like, Hey, I could actually make money from you know, from doing this. Um, but it starts with what you're good at, you know, and what people come to you for. So kind of like your superpowers. I like to call them like, what are your superpowers? But, uh, but, uh, your superpowers that you could get paid for. (laughs) (laughs) Do you help people like find those? Cause I do often feel like people, and even like me, cause I have like now that, especially I have a business, people be like, I like want to own my own business. Well, one of two things. A lot of people say that and they don't know what it takes. And I'm sure if they ever dipped their toe into it, they would say, I actually don't want to own my own business. But Mm -hmm. let's just for the sake of it, say that they do know that they want to do it. Do you help people find like what that passion could be through your coaching business, like what their superpowers are? Yes. So actually the um, the program, which I haven't like officially launched it yet. I'm already like talking to clients and getting clients, but I haven't launched it yet. It's going to be Pivot with Purpose. So what pivot with purpose essentially means is like that doesn't mean that you're necessarily throwing everything out. In some cases, I will, I would take clients who were just like, oh my gosh, I think I'm totally on the wrong path. But I think mostly it's just like somebody who's like, I'm not sure that I love this anymore. I don't know whether I should continue on. Do I need to do something different? I'm not quite sure. So yeah, it's a process that I pretty much like already in my coaching program, I've gone through and I was like, how do you, what questions do I ask in order to get that out of them? So there's, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but there's like something called the Ikigai and the Ikigai is this Japanese, um, it's like a Japanese saying or proverb or something, a belief that um, our highest purpose is at the intersection of what we're good at what the world needs, what the world's willing to pay for and what you're passionate about. So it's like passion, purpose, like profit. And then I forget what like the fourth one is like mission or something. And it's like, that is basically you at like your highest self being able to like make a business. So I basically have like crafted questions around that, which are things like, what do people come to you about? What would you do every, you know, what would you do even if you weren't getting paid? All of those questions to kind of like tap into that. And so my goal in doing that for clients is to say, 
you might be thinking that like you have to do this because you've been doing it for the last three years or that you have to totally throw it out. And there's not necessarily that. It's not those extremes. You might be able to pivot where you're like, maybe I won't take the five different client types. I'll take the one because they're the ones that I really want to help. Or maybe you've been hiding behind your story and your why has been missing. So all of those things. So it's like, how can you pivot so that you can do more of what sets you on fire and super passionate and then less of the other stuff? Um, so yes, that's part of what I do in my coaching program and because I've done it my, for myself and I've <laughs> pivoted without throwing everything out and I've gotten better each time and I've been able to make more money each time. That's what I want to help them to do as well so that they don't feel like they have to choose between like helping people and making money. Do you think self-confidence is like a big part of that? Yes. I think everybody, I think especially in entrepreneurship, because you have to bring like yourself to the table. It's like you, we all struggle with, with self-confidence, but I think especially when you're asking people to buy into what you believe is you, like buy into me, buy into my stuff. (laughs) It's like, it comes into play with sales. It comes into play with networking. It comes into play with like marketing yourself and showing up. It's like, if you don't have the self-confidence, I think it'll really struggle. So one thing that I do all the time is I kind of say like, well, where is this lack of self-belief or this thought like coming from? Like, is it mine? Because it's really not yours. Um, But I think that if you start to catch yourself just saying, I'm not good at this, or nobody wants to hear about this, or it probably won't work. It's like, if you were to like write those things down, I actually have done this as like a journaling exercise. Like I've written out all my fears and I've written out all of my negative, you know, beliefs. And when you see them written out, you're like, holy crap, I'm kind of being like, I'm being like, or like a jerk to myself, you know? And it's easier for you to discount it when you actually get those things like out of your head. Um, So I would, I would like advise if anybody is struggling with like their self-confidence and you have these thoughts, like write them out and then next to it, like write why that's not true. So one thing that I said was, I'm not going to succeed at this coaching business because I've never done it before. And I'm like, why is that not true? Because I've done a whole lot of things that I didn't have any clue what I was doing and I was successful at it. So once you start to do that, it's like, at least it won't be spinning around in your brain. It'll be like on a page where you'll be like, okay, this is, this is not true. I can leave this behind because it doesn't serve me. I love that. That's a good idea to put like your like fears or your negative self-talk on one side and then put like on the other side why that's not true. I just heard this thing the other day. I can't remember. It might have been on the Ritual podcast, but he was saying like the way if like your self-talk, if you wouldn't be friends yeah. with your I think you call it like I feel like yours is like Nancy or someone. Yeah, like, mine is oh, like Nancy. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's negative Nancy. And I was like, Nancy, like no. Like, if you wouldn't be, the way that we talk to ourselves is, like, so just awful that, like, if you, you, we should not be talking to ourselves that way because we would never be friends with a person who yeah. spoke to us that way, nor would we ever speak to a friend that way. So it's, yeah. like, really being able to, like, anchor in on, like, no, this is, like, the very small other part of me that's, like, my self-doubt that, like, I really need to learn how to overcome because... Yeah. Like you were saying, like, those things are just not true because I've done things in the past, maybe not exactly this path, but, like, in some other form, I've done these things before. Yeah, you've overcome it. And I think that a lot of that comes down to, like, we feel, you know, that we have to do things right in order to, like, be worthy of love and acceptance. When in reality, whenever you think about, like, oh, worst case scenarios, I'm going to fail and everyone's going to laugh at me. And I'm like, if people really laugh at you because you fail, you're probably surrounded by terrible people. And the reality is they probably aren't. They probably, no one is going to be like that. It's just something you make up in your head of like, oh, everyone's going to laugh at me and say that I, I didn't. But that's not, that's literally not true. And if it is, then look at your circle. But that's probably <laughs> not, it's probably not the case. And and another thing too, that, um, you know, I've heard from like entrepreneurs who are making, you know, seven, eight figures are like nobody that has been where you've been, who's where you want to go is ever going to judge you or make you feel bad because they'll still remember that they had to go through that same thing. So this is just part of the journey. Like failure isn't like a one-time occurrence. Like that's not an an identity. It's like you have to go through the failures in order to get to the success too. So I think, yeah, I think oftentimes people like miss when they see you going through those times is even when they reach out and they want to like tell you about their experience. Cause like, you know, even like the people who are maybe one step ahead of you, mm-hmm. they'll come back and tell you like, I kind of miss those times where like, I was like struggling a little bit, or like, I was going through this hard shit, because like, yes, I'm here, and I've learned from it. But it's like, literally in the trenches. Yeah, 
that's where like you're building your heart. Like that's where you're building your foundation. Yeah. And it's so important to go through those like failures. Like you were saying, it's just inevitable. Everybody fails. You're not only going to fail once, you're going to continue to fail. All the time. They actually say that like fail quick and fast, but like learn from it. Because if you're not failing, you're probably not making very much progress. And that one was sung to me because I'm such a perfectionist and I don't want to fail, but I've, you know, I, I can, I know why that's true because even just this year, I've changed my mind so many times about what I was going to do when I, I had to stop myself from talking about it until I had clarity because I was like, I did this and it didn't work. Or I did this and I realized that's not what I want to do, but I wouldn't have known if I didn't try. So you have to, you just have to take like action, even in small little bits where maybe that small action isn't as scary as like the big thing that you're trying to achieve. Like break it down into small bits. Definitely. What's been your biggest hurdle this year? Oh my gosh. This year, <laughs> yeah, the biggest one I would say is, I don't even know if I, if I would like, definitely, yeah. So I'd say this, the biggest hurdle was definitely my own belief and self-confidence um, and to deciding that I wanted to go into, um, back into entrepreneurship. Um, and the reason that I say that is because the first half of this year, I was really into like looking for a job and I turned down the very first job offer I got that was like a crazy amount of money that it was hard. It was like hard for me to justify. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this is like more money than I ever thought I would ever make. And then getting to final stages at two really big tech companies that everybody has their apps on their phone. Like, and it was, and then I remember just being like, is this really the life that I want? Or is it that I want it? Because other people would say, if you work for this company, you are successful. And at that time, like I decided this Tony Robbins program like came up um, and I really got sold on it about how to like extract your genius and make it into a program. So my biggest hurdle after taking that was believing that I, number one, had a story to tell and actually had gifts to give to the world. And then number two, probably that I was still worthy of love even if I failed and if it didn't work out. So my whole self-belief I'd say was like the biggest hurdle because I so many times wanted to just be like, maybe I'll just go back and like start looking for jobs again. Cause it'll just, it's already there. You know, the money is for sure. Whereas this would, this was just really uncomfortable for me. Um, so I, I had to keep going. It's been lonely in some senses because I feel like it's not a thing that I can necessarily talk to a lot of my, you know, immediate circle about. Um, but I've just fixed that by like diving into the entrepreneurial world, going to events. I talk to dozens of women a day, um, who do this. And so I don't feel that necessarily anymore, but it was really committing to this path and not kind of having my foot in it and going, Oh, but if it doesn't work, I'm just going to go back into corporate you know? And so now I'm like, no, I'm definitely all in. I'm in for the journey. I'm in for the long haul. Like, I don't care how long this takes. I cannot not do this. Yeah. I think I love that you were like finding that you have a story to tell that people want to hear because I think literally all of us, like every person's had a different experience in life. And like, even though we're all so different, we also are all like very similar Yeah, and we do we all have something to like contribute to the world. We all have something to share. And like, if you want to craft that into helping other people overcome those hurdles or, you know, like your specific business, like really letting people like step out into their true self, like yeah. really being their genuine self and letting that sell. It's like, yeah, like something that I definitely think, you know, the world needs more of that. And I yeah. love like specifically your coaching or like what you're doing is because you're like all about be you, you know, like I do yeah. feel like the like Instagram social media world is like you have to be perfect, you have to be wearing makeup all the time, you have to like your hair oh has to gosh. like just all this stuff, like you have to look good, like make sure you Photoshop yourself. Don't let you little have like a little gut on there, like yeah, no one's gonna like outfits with their kids. <laughs> and I'm just like, How did you guys like all have like matching pajamas sitting on the kitchen, <laughs> like with your like oat smoothie and your kids with theirs? So it's just like you see these things, and you're just like, My life doesn't look like that. My kitchen is cluttered, like I couldn't even take a picture without there being like something in the background you know what I mean like that's the kitchen I'm like yeah and it creates a really (laughs) unrealistic like vision for people like for you know the entire world like the community is like we want that like one percent which is probably not even that person's kitchen they're probably like at a studio like taking pictures in like a really fancy kitchen it's you know, they took to take that yeah, picture. Yeah, it's like. not accidental. It's just like, who's taking a picture of the family? You know what I mean? So you just have to know that, like, that stuff's not real. And I think, like, 
I maybe it's just the accounts that I follow now because I started I stopped on following or I stopped following accounts that made me feel like my life wasn't worth sharing as it was. Um, and so that's the beautiful thing about Instagram is you can curate like what it is that you see. But I think that it's shifting now. Um, in fact, like I was reading about how um, influencers, like people who have like millions of followers or just hundreds of thousands of followers, um, that brands are starting to approach them less because there's less likelihood that that person has a strong amount of influence over every follower. Whereas somebody with like under 5,000 accounts has people are following them for a specific reason. And they actually have way, way, way more power over the purchasing decisions and the behaviors of their followers than somebody who has hundreds of thousands who people basically just follow them because the pictures are pretty and they kind of want to live vicariously through them. So um, I think we are all realizing and getting hip to like that that's not real. And um, we're all kind of really craving connecting with other people that remind us of us and our humanity and the fact that, you know, there's no such thing as like perfection. And so just show up as you are. So I think that's a trend that I see changing, but like literally the money where it is flowing is starting to change more into like micro influencers. Cause they know, you know, if people are following you, it's for a very specific reason rather than like the bigger accounts, it could be totally different people that are following it. I totally. And like, we see that in our business too. Like we don't, we like never pay people to like push our product ever just cause that's like something to us. I'm like, I don't like, I would rather you either one buy it and be genuinely interested in it or like we share some type of value belief that's like similar. Yeah. And then I get to know you to also make sure that like, okay, we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. And then usually I'll be like, okay, like you want me to send you some, like, Hey, let me, let me send you some product. Yeah. And if you choose to post it, great. I like, we never push or anything, but like for us, we've seen, you know, we've had someone who's literally posted our product who has like one point two million followers oh, wow. versus someone who's like, you know, maybe has even like small accounts, like 800 people or something like yeah. that. It's like all the people are their friends and they're yeah. like, Ooh, what's that? Like super interested. Yeah. But like specifically, I think like the hot spot is like 10 and like between 10 and five is like really yeah. where those people are following them. Like you said, for a specific reason. Mm -hmm. And they do like, it's also those people who can have those genuine connections with their community because they're not bombarded with like too many messages, yes. too many comments, that type of thing where it's too much. Yeah. They can still like, they have those personal relationships with each person. They, they're like able to respond to them, able to answer the questions. It's not too much where you just don't ever see it on like a large account Yeah, and, and feel approachable. Like you were saying, like it's, yes. You're someone that they know that you're going to be the one commenting whereas like on the bigger accounts people will almost like they don't really ever expect a response so exactly there was there there was actually one um case that was brought up like an example of a music artist that had like i forget if it was like 15 million followers or something and she launched a clothing line and she couldn't i think she sold something like 13 t-shirts and it showed <laughs> That like she has millions of followers but couldn't sell t-shirts because when you go to her account, now I forget her name, but like there's no, there's either like a word or an emoji or something, but I'm like, there's nothing to grasp onto. So they like her because maybe they like her music, but it's like, you couldn't influence people to buy more than 13 shirts. Like that's the difference <laughs> between having a following and having an influence. Cause you can have a following and no influence and you can have, you know, a very small following and people are like, I like you. I trust you. If you tell me that it's, you know, that I'd like this then I believe you all buy it. And that is totally different. So I think you can't step into being that person if people don't feel like you're real, like you're real and they know who you really are. 100% I agree with that 100% yeah how do you how do you balance motherhood and this path that you're on right now because yeah I'm I'm in it too and I'm always curious how other moms do it because I'm just like <laughs> I know like, what now it's so different now like I think before um for a long time balance meant like me working while I had her with me because she sort of allowed it and then it got harder as she got older now um and we were talking about this before where it's like now my times are designated so I feel like if I'm working then it's because she's not here or she's sleeping the most that I would do is maybe if I'm responding to like a DM or something and she's there. But now I feel like I have to have chapters where I say from 6.30 when she wakes up until I drop her off after 8.30 or 9, whatever, I'm with her. Then from 9 to 3.30, I'm working. Then I pick her up at 4 and it's mommy and me time from 4 until 7.30 when she goes to bed. 
And then I get right back on my computer. So it's like, I know what I'm doing at different times of day. So I don't feel like I have to do both. So I think that that's it. And another thing is just, I don't, I've balanced it by like taking on less. So even in coaching, like I've said, I'm probably not going to take on as many clients as my coach thinks that I can take because I want to have this time. My priorities are different now. So I'd say that it's just dividing up your time, being present at whatever it is that you're doing, not trying to, you know, do both at the same time. Otherwise you're not present for your child and give yourself permission to like work less. Even if that means that like you'll make less money or you'll find ways to add more value to make more money in a certain area. So all of that is like relevant, but I have no interest in like hustling, grinding like all day long. (laughs) Even though I still feel like I do that, but I only reason why is because I'm building something new. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why. It it needs like more of your attention right now. It needs more of your your time two worlds like I'm in multiple worlds but yeah I think that's what it is but even once I build my business I'm going to build it so that I can take time off I'm going to build it so that I'm not working you know 60 hours a week I'm going to build it so that I can have time with my daughter and that when she's sick and can't go to school the thing the world doesn't fall apart because I'll be like oh I gotta take all days (laughs) off because you know with kids it's like they'll get sick like every month like especially in daycare they get sick And it's like, I just don't want to build a life like that. So I think that's what it is. You just build the type of life that you want and the sort of balance that you want. What do you feel like is the biggest lesson she's taught you? Oh my gosh. You know what? Like I kids are like just the best. It's like that like to recenter yourself. But what's like (laughs) the one that just popped into your mind right away? (laughs) One was like, oh, you had plans? You know, it would be like my inner voice was just like, for the one who wants to plan everything out, let me tell you what's about to happen. So I definitely feel like I felt like I needed to plan stuff and I, I was really good at doing that before. But I think what I wasn't so good at was like when things fell apart, I'd get like really stressed out and I'd feel behind. And so becoming a mom, first of all, forced me to slow down because it's you just don't want to be everywhere at once. So I think the biggest lesson is just that even when things don't work out, not if, when they don't work out the way that you envision, because it's going to happen a lot, you will be okay. You can shift things around. And all of the things that you thought needed to get done, you probably have like the top sliver needs to get done and the other stuff, maybe you can reshuffle it around. So I just think like, don't not falling apart when my plans change because they happen all the time and you will be okay. And it's not the end of the world, I think is probably like the biggest lesson. The other thing I'd say as well is that we... This is more of like on a personal, but one thing that she's taught me is kind of like all we want in our lives when we're healing, when we're growing, when we're developing is really to get back to what we already knew as kids. Because you think about kids and like they're not embarrassed. They're, you know, their authentic selves all the time. If they don't like somebody, they don't pretend to like them, you know, and I'm just like they're the reason that we love that about kids, not just because they're so cute is because they represent like parts of us that we are trying to find still. So sometimes I'm like, how can I be more pied today? You know, like she totally owns it. She's not embarrassed about it. She's like incapable of being embarrassed, but yet she just shows up to a room and she's just like, hey guys, I'm here. You know, meanwhile, I'm like, I need to find my confidence again. So it's like she represents the things that like I'm trying to return home to. So I think that that's like one thing that kids can just teach us is like, we love them for their, you know, their authenticity. Like they are always themselves. They're incapable of like lying. And um, that's all we want to do is like be a little more like them. (laughs) That is so true. Right when you were saying that, I'm like, that's actually so true. Like every characteristic I love about a kid is like what I wish I could be, like what I wish acceptable in society. I'm like, when do we, why do we get away from that? Like, why do we put ourselves in situations that we like- like, yeah, and it's like <laughs> even in your stories today, when I saw that, like you were on the walk, you were walking your dog, and then Opal sat on the on the pavement and was like eating her apple. And then there's times I'm like, oh my god, I've been so busy, I haven't eaten today. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> I would not do that. They'd be like, listen, this is I get it, but I need a snack right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. It's like there's no. <laughs> I think we're so like caught up. Also, they are not like on a time. Like they have no. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they have no understanding of like it's five o'clock. It's six. You know. I'm okay, you said you dropped my off at, at school at nine. She's oh, like, yeah. you know, today I'm gonna take an extra long time tying my shoes. Oh yeah, like, you're like, I don't, I don't know what that is. 
I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't want to wear pants, you know? And it's just like, you say, I'm going to be late. And they're just like, what, what that means? So it's just like, all right, yes, we live in a world where like, we can't just disregard time, but it's like, there's some days where I'm just like, all right, I'm going to be late. I'm just going to tell the person I'm meeting with at nine. I need a few more minutes. You know what I mean? Because that's just what it is. So get back to your, you know, two-year-old self. What would your two-year-old self do? Your two-year-old self would not skip their snacks. They would not stress out. They would not try to be a different person, depending on what people expected of them. And they wouldn't be afraid to say no, because they love to say no. So. <laughs> I love it so much. I feel like I just, like, could go on that for, like, an hour oh long. Gosh. That just like right when you were saying that, I'm like, that is like hitting home so oh hard. God, like, that is- about that. I feel like that's a post that both of us are like, what are, how could we be more like Opal and Pie? Like, how yes. could we be more like them every day? <laughs> They're like, so true. It's like, so good. like, no, seriously. I'm like, I want to, like, because I really do think that I'm like, I just want to be like that. Like, yep. that's like what I strive to be. Just like, we overcomplicate stuff, and it's so simple sometimes. It's just stuff that we already did. It's all stuff we already knew that we kind of have to like, remind ourselves who we really are like beneath all of these people we try to be for others mm-hmm. oh, I love that yeah <laughs> that so all right I don't want to take up too much more of your time but I want to give you time to talk about what you're doing with your coaching business because I love you and I feel like people that might be like considering going into something or maybe are in something right now but are feeling really overwhelmed not knowing like exactly where to go I think that they would super benefit from getting in like connecting with you so can you just like talk a little bit about what you're doing you know the things that you offer I know we've touched on a little bit of it but um maybe just like for the next um so basically for my coaching business like I would say that the best um the people that I help are either people who are stuck in terms of like how to grow their business either because they're not sure that they love it anymore or they just want to grow in a way that feels good to them and that's why I call the program pivot with purpose because we pivot all the time in our lives. That could be from, you know, you're pivoting because you became a mom, you're pivoting because you started a business or you've released a new product or you're moving, like you're always changing. So it's not something to run away from. So I think that anybody that is in a stage in their business where they're not sure how they want to grow. Also, maybe somebody who kind of feels like they're planning the next one thing, but they don't know what like structure it falls into. Part of what I do is I say, okay, where are you right now and where do you want to go? Like, let's build a whole structure and program suite around what you do that doesn't all involve one-to-one stuff. So you might have like a physical product or you might have a digital product. Like some of my, you know, um, clients have something where it's like, what's something that you teach all the time? How could you just put that in a course? How could you put that in a tool that maybe you sell? Um, and so part of what I do is take their genius and I figure out how to create a package out of it, um, and a whole program so that you are serving people depending on like sort of where they are. Cause not everybody wants your whole full service. Um, and so I help them to scale essentially their genius so that you can sell things one-to-one. You can sell things in a group program. You can sell something in a course. You can sell it in so many different ways and then have emails and things running in the background that are going to nurture it so that it's not all you all the time. So I help them to kind of take that genius, package it up and, um, and to be able to scale it so that they have more freedom um, in doing what they want to do. Love it. So good. So good. If anybody's on here listening that is like considering that Mario is like the best person to go to and you will instantly connect. We honestly did like literally like after the first, I feel like FaceTime or whatever. It was like Skype back then. I don't even know what it was. but like, I know. I really <laughs> like Skype. I don't know. Like, oh, long ago, but like tech has changed so much that I'm like literally the world is so different now. I know. But I just feel like you're like just such a chill down to earth person that I really feel like anybody could like open up and, you know, let you know what their weaknesses are and different things like that. Because I think oftentimes we get like, we sometimes don't want to reach out to someone because we're embarrassed or something that like to tell anyone these are the things I'm struggling with, these are my weaknesses, whatever it is. But even I think because I think that sometimes people will come in, they're just like, like, people that I'm working with now where they're just like, I've been successful, but I've been successful kind of like on accident. And like, I haven't done a whole plan. I launched one thing and it was really, it went really well, but like, now I don't actually know. And I don't know what's happening in six months. That's another thing. If you have a business and that's not, that's not a bad thing to be ashamed of, but it's like, if you don't know what you're doing six months from now and you don't have a plan to like grow your business, then you're being super reactive. You're always going to feel like, 
you know, I don't know exactly where I'm going. I can't outsource because like, I don't know what they're going to be doing in a few months. So that's part of what I do is I kind of help them to step away from their business, see what sort of business and life they want to create, and then scale backwards from that and say, okay, what do we need to do right now in order to get you there in six months? How much, how are you going to price this? What does your year look like? Um, and just be more intentional about everything that they're doing so that you don't feel like you're freelancing or you're doing one step at a time. It's like, let's build a whole framework so you know where you're going and so you can start laying that out right now so that everything about your business feels intentional and not reactive. Oh, yes, so good. <laughs> okay, got one last question for you and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Like I said at the beginning, you have been like maybe you honestly don't, didn't even realize or don't even know, but you were definitely a huge mentor to me during the time I was at Nectar. And even now, like as I follow you, you honestly, your posts and the things that you post about, it's, I know it's not just helping me too. It's helping so many people and you're so genuine. You show up every day. It doesn't matter if you're doing makeup in the car, yes. running with my hands on, like <laughs> you're just there, you're showing up for your people. And that, that says a lot about you. So thank you. Um, said, the last question I have is um, if you could choose one word to set the tone for 2020, what would it be and why? I would say definitely intentional. I think I've used that word a lot, um, but I'd say intentional because that means that everything has a purpose. It's not intentional with how I spend my time, intentional with the direction that I'm going, with who I'm helping, intentional with the language that I use about myself. You know, everything I think um, starts with that intention because you create more of that. And if you aren't creating with intention, you end up creating things you don't want. So I think that that's what it is, is that everything that I do, how I spend my time, how I speak about myself, how I talk about the future, everything is going to be with intention.